and we are back on another episode of We Making It Woo. Remember that if you want to be a part of the conversation, please feel free to email me. Guys, I get so many compliments on how someone loved an episode, but please email me. I'd love to be like uh, those podcasts that like read the notes about what people have to say uh and also if you don't email me i always appreciate the love so if you see me in the street you see me at you know various places uh, be sure that if you have uh both good things or constructive feedback i'm here for it um so yes if you want to be a part of the conversation as always email me at katiesmiles.nyc that's k-a-d-i-e smiles because my smile is very cute, as always, in .nyc, because that's where we at. So what happened last night? Y'all been missing me for a while. I hope that uh, you had some time to catch up on all new episodes. Um, I took a leave of absence from Gibney to process some race and equity feelings that I was having. And I'll talk about that more in another episode. So when I took that leave of absence from Gibney, I just kind of took a hiatus from all things, podcast included. So I am, that's what happened not only last night, but for a few nights. Uh, So yeah, I am currently reading No Ashes in the Fire by Darnell Moore. I think is his last name. Um, I know I said that I would be reading more magazines. But this book was really, really calling to me. So I just thought, let me go ahead and make it happen. Um, so, yeah, if you haven't had a chance, be sure to complete the entire series of full time, part time, all the time. Uh, and the, obviously the titles changed via the episode, but it was a little bit of a series on full time, working full time and having a full time job. Um Uh, If you didn't catch the blurb, there was an episode or uh, um, I'm losing my word. Sorry, guys. Um, There was an article in Dance Magazine about what does it mean to be a full time artist. And I just wanted to maybe create a more nuanced conversation around it. So be sure to check that out if you haven't already. Now, we're going to depart from that conversation and offer a little bit of conversation around immigrant artistry for those of you who don't know I do work at Gibney well yes I do work at Gibney and specifically I work with the equity action committee (laughs) the committee (laughs) Bo has me tired right now um and I'll explain why that's funny in just a second but in the meantime Gibney's equity action committee put on an event titled home cooked that was focused on immigrant artistry in the city. It was a really, really great night. I got to be a part of the committee and help in a few ways. Um, And it dawned on me that I had not explored the conversation in any way. Uh, Just like preface, as you guys all know, I'm from Houston, and my relationship to immigrants is... um, I guess one that's elusive only because like growing up in Texas, we specifically where we are, there are so many Hispanics, be they from Mexico, be they from El Salvador. Um, I learned Spanish in elementary school, partially because the neighborhood itself, that was just the demographic. And so fast forward to I'm 25 now and the conversation about the wall and um, the conversation around immigrants being not contributors to the larger conversation it's so different from my up like it's literally completely different like I literally went home one day and told my mom I need to have a 15 because I saw other kids having 15s (laughs) and so uh I say that to say my 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 you know my early years were super overlapped with Hispanic culture. I loved Cinco de Mayo. I loved Hispanic Heritage Month just as much as I loved Black History Month. So given that that is my perspective, I thought why not, um, given that it is, I think, Immigrant Awareness Month or Immigration Awareness Month, I'm not sure what the title is, I wanted to talk to a few of my friends who identify as immigrants and um, just start a little bit of conversation so that we can all be informed 
yeah. Also, I forgot the tagline, guys. It's your weekly look into access to suck sex so we can all progress. And specifically, I think this conversation can not only create success, but like I said, it can just create knowledge and awareness. And I think that that is integral, so necessary for progress. So without further ado, special guest, can you introduce yourself? Hello, everyone. Um, my name is Bojay Banks. I am 27 year old, 27 years old. Wow, I can't speak today. The English. It's okay. It's Take the, your time. See the English. It's the <laughs> English. Um, I'm from Belize in Central America, and I've been living in New York off and on for, wow, I have to count. That's another, that's another, um, I guess another like look into the whole immigrant process because I've been here for so long. Am I still an immigrant? Uh, and I and that actually is my first question. So, you are from Belize. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of immigrant, which if I could look up the definition, what? How do you define immigrant? And then, yeah, let's start there. How do you define immigrant? Hmm. I've I've gotten asked that question quite a lot. Um. Like a, a basic definition, I guess, is just like living in a place that's not yours. By birth. Yeah, I just Googled it. It says a person who who comes to live permanently in a foreign country. Yep. And you have come to live. Permanently, yeah. Okay. Can you talk about, so there are tons of ways to live in the States. Uh, mm-hmm. If you guys remember, my girlfriend Emily has her O-1 visa. Mm-hmm. So she is not here permanently. She is here for uh three years Mm -hmm. and then in three years she'll have to reapply to right but you are not on a visa can you talk a little bit about your immigration status yeah sure so i um initially i came over um on my student visa because i went to college in florida okay and then um up until i i can't i don't want to quote a year because it'll be wrong Mm -hmm. uh recently um, in the laws of my country, it was illegal to be gay. It was considered unnatural and all those, you know. Um, so the idea of me being like the open person I am, I've always been open. I've never had a moment where I didn't, or I didn't want to be gay. It was just a thing. Mm-hmm. I never said it, but it was never. I also never like had to say yeah it was just like it it was was a thing and and i got bullied for that i got attacked all these things um so the idea of me returning back to this country after having this long of a life in the u.s in school where i was a part of an organization that like helped me to be proud of myself and all these things going back home was not an option because i was already scared because even when i wasn't open in quotes open out. out I was already getting bullied. I I would not be able to walk down the street without like someone like telling me something. Um, so, and I was attacked a couple times and okay. went to the police, asked them to file a report, didn't file a report. So all these things. Um, so I then applied for asylum. I went that route. And um, can you tell everybody who wouldn't know what's asylum? So asylum, <clears throat> political asylum, um, specifically, it's when you seek refuge in a country because it's not safe to go back to your own. And everyone's like, oh, that's the easy route. Actually, it's not. I had to prove to a U.S. judge that I was not safe to go back home. So I had to compile a file that was, I don't even know how, I still have it just in case. I'm never going to give it away, actually. Um, And prove to them that it's not safe for me to go back home. Mm -hmm. So all of the the articles that included violence against the LGBT community, violence against myself, right. all these testimonies, people who were around me when I was attacked, that I had to reach out to them. I had to reach out to ex-boyfriends because I had to prove, I've also proving that I am gay. Wow. So I had to call my ex-boyfriend and that was a little awkward. I was like, you know, hey, I know we're not together anymore, but you know my situation. Could you write a letter and then like show pictures of us together all like several steps so it was a long process it was a scary process because it's they make you feel like you're lying right sort of but i'm like this is my life i'm not lying about my life but because it's just so intense you get really nervous and of course my lawyer 
um, would sit with me and she's like, you're not lying, so relax. Like, right. you don't have to be so nervous. And it's just like the, the fact that like, if they told me no, I have to go back home. And that's why I was nervous. And right. I was not ready to go back home and like get attacked or right. sit at home. The only other option would be like to sit at home. Right. And never leave the house because right. I'm safe at home. And God knows if I'm actually safe inside my house. So Right. Can we talk a little bit about the process of an immigrant getting into school in the States? Because I don't know much about that process. Um, thankfully, I the college I went to, I have my associate's degree back home. That college had a partnership or something yes certain so uh, for those of you who may not be familiar certain larger universities will team up with a smaller university mm-hmm. i.e that one that provides an associate so that uh you the students tran- have a smoother transition into exactly. a four-year institution yeah and it's also good because they'll take the credits you have right already, whereas is, certain times you people over. right sometimes um if you if you come from a non-accredited university mm-hmm. they'll basically make you do what is it for our school, for example, you would have to redo 60 credit hours. Percent, so yeah. you would basically have to redo two more years of school. You're basically doing over your associates before you start your bachelor's. Right. Which Such a waste. Thankfully, my um, college and USF in Tampa, they have a, a little thing going on. So I, I came into the situation as a transfer student. Right, right. Which is, thank God, because money, like, it's twice as much back home for me to pay for school. Um, it's twice as much in Belize for you to pay for school. Yeah, because the currency exchange is two to one. So, um, bless you. Thank you. Uh, but to even get into the campus, well, you, we first had to, I think you guys do it as well. We took the SATs right. back home and we sent that in, the application, and you have to approve all of that. Cool. And then they say, <clears throat> okay, well, you got accepted. Show us all of your immunization records is that is that yeah can you explain that a bit because i had to get i had to show my shot records when i went to school yeah but it was literally just my mom finding my old shot records no i had to get a whole bunch of uh documents stating like what i have when i had it and the ones that i didn't have had to get it before going on campus before getting my visa before all these things okay um were there any immunizations that like the uh, America requires that like Belize didn't require? Um, didn't require? Yes, if, to step on campus, I had to have gotten the um, meningitis vaccine or something like that. Yes, which is I'm totally for it, and I'm totally for vaccines because <laughs> right. you, you need it, especially um, on college campuses. Yeah, it's a breeding ground for dish. Oh, I remember like my friends who lived. I never lived on campus. Neither never. did I. I don't think I'm. If I have kids, they're not going to do it either. Like, you're going to get a hotel, uh, like, an uh, apartment somewhere else. But my friends who lived on campus, four floors, the building. Mm-hmm. And it was right from the top. Mm-hmm. Floor by floor would just get so sick. And I'm like... Staff went around at our school. And I think meningitis did, too. And then there was one year with strep. Nope. I don't need to die. Nope. And that all sounds like the Hell. plague. Yeah. Nope. Nope. So I, I hear you. I lived off campus. Um, but I had to get all of these. Um, but meningitis was the only one that was like you hadn't had, but you had to get. Yeah. Okay, cool. Which is not too bad. When I had to get my visa, that was my um, green card, that was another story. That was like, a, okay. we're going to prick you with everything. But with college, um, so I had to do all of that, which is great. It's fine. I got there. Um, and USF actually has a really good transition program for students okay. coming into the country. Like you meet as a cohort. Okay. Hey, where are you from? And then you get to know all these people. So if you ever feel, because you will, I don't care what anyone has to say. Like, I'm a very strong person. I'm a very solitary person. I can handle myself by myself. But the shell shock of being in another country, mm-hmm. that first and second week is just like, I remember two weeks into college, sitting in my shower on the phone with my mom saying, I want to come home. I can't do this. I can't do this. Because there was, I'm not used to, like, now that I live here, live here, the whole um, idea of race and separation and, you know, all like mm-hmm. it's so much apparent here mm-hmm. as to as opposed to being home where like my country is just such a melting pot that I'm seeing all these different people. I'm not saying it's not there. It is there. But 
It's just different. It's just different. And also, too, I want to clarify, you were in Florida. Yeah. Well, so on campus, like, I walked into, like, the main student center, and mm-hmm. there were, I was like, I don't know where to fit, because my black brothers and sisters are here, my Latino brothers and sisters are here, my Asian people are there, my white people are there, and I'm like, I actually, I'm the person that has everyone. Like, I, And also, just to clarify, what's the national language of Belize? English. Oh, yeah. I did not think it was yeah. English. Everyone around us um, speaks Spanish, and we're English. We're owned, well, we were owned by. Britain. Do you sp- do you speak another language? Um, we have our Creole, which is not French Creole; it's British Creole. Um, and then my mom is fluent in Spanish. I am fluent in understanding Spanish. Okay, <laughs> but I can't speak it as well until I'm like thrown somewhere where I need to know and then it magically comes out and I'm like great I can survive okay so this is is like a like a strategy yeah okay so then do you and I only bring up the language thing because it uh it seems like your wiring like your um your upbringing has multiple it's full of multiple groups or multiple ethnicities yeah uh whereas like for me going to school I knew that like I'm from Texas. Mm-hmm. I went to school in Texas. So the most diversity in terms of like what I would consider ethnic would be like people from Houston versus people from Dallas. And yeah. if you know you <laughs> if you were wedding, like that's really not diverse. Um which is a great segue to like how did you given that that is your perspective, how did you navigate that space? I I've always just been curious about language. Okay. So hearing another language never made me get I was like what teach me now like I want to know like, even if I'm not understanding I'm going to listen because okay. I want to see if I can like learn it on my own or pick up some languages um, language and and just also something that's not me has yeah. always made me like perk Curious. up like oh yeah. what's, what's this what's interested this? rather than um, weird it out or, or maybe um, felt excluded yeah, yeah. angered I'm, by it yeah no because you don't understand yeah the only the only time that I was angered by anything that made me feel different was in school, because it was like I don't know where to fit. Right. I don't know which group to go to. Like, am I only allowed to go to my like black friends? Am mm-hmm. I if I go to like my Spanish friends who I identify with so much more because of where I grew up? There's mm-hmm. so much Spanish culture around me that it's second nature. Mm-hmm. Do I go to them and? I mean, is it okay for me to so like for my first year of being in the US, navigating like where do I fit was mm-hmm. a nightmare. Mm-hmm. A nightmare. I remember just going home so many days, like I'm too tired to and I have really bad social anxiety. Mm-hmm. And no one knows that because they're like, Well, you're a social butterfly. Put me in a room by myself. I'm gonna go in the corner and I'm gonna sit and watch because I don't know like where how, are you to go. I don't know how to speak. It, it it's weird. Like if I'm comfortable, I will speak to anyone front desk job that's it i'm good but like i don't know what happens when i'm in that kind of situation my body and all my functions like shut down i'm like yeah dude what are you doing you can go talk to someone and right it's right like, it's, it's like fight or flight yours is I, just flight i fly far that's far. okay no i think that that's definitely one way to that's one way to that's one way to negotiate that space uh quick question mm-hmm. did you major what did you major in in dance Okay, cool. So after the first year ended, uh, you would be going into your senior year. What were you said? You mentioned that you were in a, an organization that allowed you some support, but also just some space. Yeah. Oh, uh, how was it? Just that organization that offers support? I guess like what made the difference that last year to kind of make it a little bit easier. My last year in, in, in school. Mm-hmm. Um, my last year in college sucked. I'm not gonna lie. Okay. It's because it was also that was also like, your only your second year in the states. No, so I I I did an entire four year. Oh. But I came in as a transfer, so I didn't. There's a lot of things that I didn't have to do. Okay. My college. So I mean, maybe I should just like tell you my college life. Sure. I started because I didn't do an entire like full four years. Okay. I went to college in 2011. Okay. Stayed there until. Hmm. Second year, I think. I don't remember. But then left. I went back home in the summer. Okay. 
because my mom was like, we don't have the money. Okay. And so I was there and just miserable because I was like, I was already starting to feel like I had a life over there and have a mm-hmm. life here, and the life that I'm having here is just like frustrating because I can't go anywhere, I can't do anything because I'm not, I don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also like miss my friends. It was just really confusing. Mm-hmm. And then my mom was like, you know what? I'm not gonna be the person that stops this dream for you. So she like put up her house as collateral. Yeah. And like bless her heart because my mom is the my mom and I like we have a very strange relationship. I love my mom. Um it doesn't matter what happens, we could have the largest fight. But the minute I'm threatened, she turns into mama bear and everyone is in danger. Yeah. Even I'm like, oh mom, calm down. Um so I flew back I went to school, um, and then I took a break because I got really sick. So how did you take a break? How does it work if you take a break and you're not in school? Because technically, um, at this point, you were only allowed to be in the States just because you were going to school. Exactly. Um, I took a break. Like, I left school, and I moved to New York, moved back to New York, because I moved to New York and then moved to Florida for school. Like, okay. it was, like, a week process. Okay. Um, and why did you choose New York? I have family here. Okay, cool. And so I was like, I don't want to go somewhere that I don't right. know anyone. Because at least in New York, I have family. And then in Florida, it's 3,000 miles away from Billy. So it's not, like, me going to Hawaii, which was an option. And I was okay. like, that is far away. Nope, <laughs> not happening. Um... So then I took the break because I got sick and then came back to New York. And then that's when I started the asylum process. Okay. So you weren't in trouble. No, no. In terms of getting sick and then not being in school. Okay, cool. Because even I I got sick in my semester and they basically like forced me to take a break because I was that sick. I have a, I have a brain um, hemorrhage Yeah, and that flared up. Yeah. So they were like, you need to stop moving. Um, Yeah. So then I started the asylum process and worked on that, proved, you know. And how long did that take total? My asylum process is one for the books. My my lawyer keeps telling me that because I applied. I I contacted the group that um, would help me. Mm -hmm. They answered me back the day after. I went in for an interview the week after. Mm -hmm. We started my process, and they were like, we're just going to have to wait because sometimes it'll take like six months to get an interview. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My interview was three months later. Okay. Like, I had some kind of guardian angel on my back or something. Okay. Um, And then I officially got my asylum in... On Valentine's Day of 2014, Aww, it was the like, that's cute. best Valentine's Day gift ever. Like I was sitting at my friend's apartment, and um, not I was like in Washington D.C. because I needed to get out of New York. Mm-hmm. And my aunt like got the letter in the mail, and I told her I was like, if anything comes from this address, like open it and let me know. And so I'm sitting at the table, we're eating dinner, and I get a text, and it's a picture, and I'm like, what, what is this? And I like just drop my phone and start crying and he was like oh. what's going on and I was like I can stay like I'm, I don't have to worry about like going home and dying right so then did that and then I was like you know I'm gonna now this is my chance to go back to school I can like you know try to make myself a significant part of this community and like right. try to like give back to the country now and all these things so I finished my degree and then I came back here and so you mentioned that you had a green card process. Yeah. What is the, first of all, what's the difference between having asylum and getting a green card? Um, as an asylee, you're a refugee, basically. Okay. You don't have any kind of legal papers or anything. I had, I thankfully had my passport still for my country, so I had that. Okay. Um, but most other asylees don't. They just have this card that says you're an asylee. And how does that how does that impact, for example, your ability to get a job? Because at that point, you don't have a social. Um, you or you do. You you, I think you do. You have to apply. It's like a a work. It's like a work visa, basically. Ah, okay. They don't want you just to be sitting here doing nothing. Of at all, course not. That's which what, would, right. Ex- which right. is not right. Um, so you I wouldn't say it's not right. I just think in terms of larger conversations, I want you to have some money so you can exactly. feel productive. Exactly. Um. And so I could 
I applied for uh, a job and I got my job and all these things. Um, but a part of the process of asylum is like after a while, you have to apply for your green card. What's a while? I don't remember. I don't want to okay. quote the wrong. Cause okay. Get, like <laughs> IRS shows up in my house. Give me wrong information. Um, no, no, no. And then, so it, it's like a process. Asylum. Was that? I was gonna say, how did you feel about having to apply for your green card? What was that process for you? Um, expensive and scary because they could say no, and you don't get that money back. Okay. And that's fifteen hundred dollars, and that, that's like I got the cheaper option because I was an asylee. Right. I'm hearing people who are spending like three thousand dollars and then yeah. getting a no, and I'm like, what? <laughs> you just that's just for the application. That's for right. them to look at the paper. Right, and then if they say no, you have to start the process all, all over, over again, again, and that's another three thousand dollars. Right. So that was scary for me because I was like, I don't, I'm working my butt off to save this money to apply for this. Mm-hmm. If they tell me no, I'm gonna start all over again, and I don't, I'm getting paid minimum wage. Right. Like, I don't know. <laughs> right, because you're still in a a creative field exactly where you can't necessarily where nonprofits is kind of the name of the game exactly okay so yeah it was it was very um it was a very nerve-wracking like time of my life i feel like i was always walking on eggshells Mm -hmm. and then also because i don't sound like an immigrant until i'm tired or i'm a little tipsy at the club (laughs) my accent like comes back i Mm -hmm. guess I, i don't feel like i hide my accent either it's just this is how i sound right um if you listen carefully certain words you're like oh i see it right but it's also like my mom at least when i was younger she still does it too um my country is a tourist country right so the better you are at english the better you are getting a bigger job a better job because you can speak right to them. and i would say that that's you know a lot of uh, black people that i know yeah or uh, listen with the media now code switching is becoming such a huge thing <laughs> And I didn't even know what it was as a kid, but I would just like you. Yeah, you you at least let me not speak for other people. I knew that if I could speak a certain way in front of certain people, I would look be looked at a certain a certain way. And I don't. Yeah, I don't think that's a. I I remember this foreign concept. One time I was at my friend's apartment and um, I was speaking to them just like this, talking whatever. And then my mom called me, so I excused myself and I went into his room and. My mom and I, we all talk about, like, random things. Just She, like, catches me up on, like, the town gossip. Or, this one's pregnant. Um, and I end up, like, going into his bathroom, mm-hmm. which is you have to pass through his closet, which is so weird to me. Um, so I end up sitting in the closet, and the door, like, locked, and I was like, whatever, I don't care. So I'm talking to my mom. I'm talking to my mom, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'll see you later, Mom. Bye. And he, like, swings the door open. He's like, is that what you sound like? And I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, you were speaking English to us. And then I don't know what that was just now. And I was like, oh. And it, it, it happened so naturally for me that I didn't, yeah. I don't think it's a thing. But right. It, code switching, I do it all the time now. Right. All the time. Right. All the time. Yeah, no. I, but I, and I also think that's a really interesting and noteworthy point that, you know, to, to be to be black and to be American is it, there are some I never want to argue that we are immigrants in mm-hmm. the same way that you are because that is a completely different struggle, <laughs> um, which I definitely want to talk about. But I just in terms of code switching, I think that that is something that we both have in common. Yeah, for sure. I do want to talk about now since that we kind of have like this larger scope of like immigration and status and how you kind of like. Got your your pole in the ground, so mm-hmm. to speak, in being here in the states. You mentioned in the beginning that it was really, really dangerous, given that you do identify as gay. I don't know if everybody knows, but we recently heard about. I recently heard about, like yesterday, I heard about the young boy Nigel Shelby. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to his family and all those who knew him. Not only condolences and peace and just like good energy that way how has i know this is not like super tangential to dance but i do want to talk about this really briefly mm-hmm. or not so briefly <laughs> what is your notion of safety how do you feel given that now you are 
a U.S. citizen? No. A green card mm-hmm. holder. Permanent resident. A permanent resident. Mm-hmm. And you have cases like Nigel's. a Nigel Shelby. Um, and that's just one to name a few. Yeah. Or that's one out of a few. I, this this topic is such a, a hard one for me because knowing where I grew up and how I grew up and what I went through, like, I could have been a Nigel. And mm-hmm. I almost was because I did attempt. And then that, you know, I was saved. Um, and when I, I did, I went through that phase for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny because knowing that I'm safer in mm-hmm. the U.S. because I have laws and I have organizations that, like, fight so hard for rights. Mm-hmm. But then still seeing this happen it's like am i actually safe i know i am because i'm at a point in my life where like you can tell me anything and i'd be like okay well first of all for you to insult me you would have to matter to me and you don't so yeah you're blowing breeze but like listening to these kids and like i kind of just want to go to school and just be like no (laughs) you're fine like i just want to i just want to be like a counselor for everyone (laughs) because i'm so i get so scared now because people are so mean for no reason at all yeah no reason at all yeah um yeah i i i I hear you yeah it's like i'm safe because i'm confident and i know what i want but like are kids safe and i think it offers a really interesting conversation that i'll speak to just a little bit you know like what is safety um for those who do not know, um, my family is very, very distant about my relationship with Emily. Um, and that is a choice that they have made. But um, growing up, I distinctly, I grew up very religious, guys. I was baptized. Um, I sang in the choir. I was very involved from, like, the age of, like, kindergarten all the way up to, like, my senior year of high school. I taught Sunday school. Yes. <laughs> um and I and I bring up this like notion of what is safe, right? Because I remember distinctly this one particular pastor who um, back home was giving a sermon in, in the churches that I grew up in, the preachers, most preachers have like a really strong close. It's like usually a metaphor that like loops in the larger concept mm-hmm. of the sermon. And I remember he used a baseball metaphor. And I thought it was so visual. Like, I thought this was such a great metaphor. But he said adultery was on the first plate. And something was on the second plate. And homosexuality was on the third. And he was about to make a home run and knock them all out. Yes. Oh, wow. And that's just one particular sermon out of many that I can reference. Um, And I bring that up because... Yes, I feel that violence, like physical violence, will not be brought to my body in most areas in New York City. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I could argue the same thing about Texas, Mm -hmm. uh, specifically where I was in Houston. And even if physical uh, violence isn't brought to my body, there's a certain amount of like mental labor Mm -hmm. and emotional (laughs) labor I have to be in constant dialogue with to negotiate um, this belief because I think for a really long time and maybe to a certain extent currently, I know that I was raged that the lifestyle that I am living or the person that I'm dating is unsafe. Mm-hmm. So that, uh, and, I, and I bring that up because what does it mean for our kids to be safe in terms of like no one will harm them? And then what does it mean for our, our yes. minds to be essentially um self-deprecating yeah in a way that you can't unwire because i mean not to say that you can't unwire but it almost is innate to who you are Mm -hmm. because religion was so much a part of like my identity yes like hammered in um and i don't have an answer uh but i think it's a really really interesting concept that you can explore in terms of safety yeah for sure for sure so let's segue to how all of this comes up in terms of you being an artist, mm. where does, I mean, and if it doesn't, like, is there a lot of correlation? How much does your, how much do your experiences as an immigrant um, come into your artistic practice? Um, 
It doesn't. It doesn't because it's just it's a part of me. Mm-hmm. So I've never had to force it to come out. Mm-hmm. It's just been. You're not like making work about no, that one time. No, and I'm I got gotcha. you. Um, because it's just in the way that I, I guess, see things. I know I see things differently than other people do in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, so using that experience to choreograph something and make work, it's in my nature to to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever. I think like one of my first choreographic ventures was me choreographing a solo about my entire immigration process to the U.S. Mm-hmm. And that was exhausting mm-hmm. because it was like one diagonal line, stage, upstage, left, downstage, right, or the other way around. I don't remember. And it was just like all of, like it was just a heavy, heavy, heavy solo. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was just like, are you all right? And I was like, yeah. And so I scrapped it. I was like, I don't want that to be what my work is about right now. I'm not ready. I think I wasn't ready for it. Yeah. I was not. I am now because I'm working on a duet with a friend in Florida about, um, it's called Immigration, Immigration mm-hmm. Gay Nation. Mm-hmm. Um, our experiences about being, <laughs> well, for me, I'm black, I'm gay, I'm an, immig- an immigrant, and what it means to be all three of those together, mm-hmm. singularly, coupled, like, all those relationships. With the intersectionality between yeah. the three of them. and then he's mm-hmm. from Ecuador. Um, he is a citizen, but he still identifies with that part of his life. And what it means for both of us to, like, navigate the artistic world as immigrants. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'd, I think moving to the U.S. by myself in the art world at least that already is just like a hurdle mm-hmm. money wise and like affording rent and all these it's like i don't have a fall block fall back plan ever or a plan b right i don't it's it's me <laughs> and i need to make it happen so mm-hmm. like sacrificing going to i like i've never been to an intensive ever mm-hmm. i'm lying i wasn't I was, I was 13 but my mom paid for that Right. But I've never been to an intensive. And I think I can. We'll talk after. I yeah. might be able to post drinks. <laughs> I know some people. I, I've never been. And so like those things. Um, and I don't know if this is because I'm an immigrant, but like, and this also affects other dancers too, but it's like seeing all of my friends and cohorts and you know all these people doing these really cool things and watching from the outside. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just like, I have to put the phone down. Mm-hmm. It's not like I have to put the phone down because you're because you're not doing anything right now doesn't mean you're not doing anything. Like your time will come. Um and also there are certain things that just cost money that you do not have. I, I don't. And I never like I don't think I'll ever will. Like Right. And I think mommy that, and daddy's not paying anything for me. Like Right, right, right. And and that's not to say that all Americans have parents that are yeah, supporting exactly, them. Exactly. But I, I do think it intensifies being an immigrant. It sounds yeah. like you're saying that it intensifies this already looming fact that, like, if you don't make this happen, you're screwed. It's not that you're screwed. It just ain't gonna happen. <laughs> it's not like, gonna happen. It is balls yeah. to the wall to a whole nother level. Yeah, like I've never not had four jobs. Right. I've always had four jobs. I've, right. I've dogged walked at the same time. I worked in retail, and then I taught like classes for. Like, I've it's become a part of my life as an immigrant where like I have to work just a little harder because I'm I am my plan B right and right. not I'm not discrediting anyone else but it's just like I I am my plan B. well and I don't yeah I don't think you're discrediting anyone else but I think you're acknowledging your perspective yeah um as a way I would hope to like reclaim power and just ownership, just yeah. taking responsibility of your story as a way to make it whatever that you whatever you want it to be. Yeah. Um, I think also like when I've worked with people in dance, um, and they bring this idea, and I cannot relate to it because I, I'm not from here, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> how can I find like something to compare this with? Yeah. Or just fake it till I make it. Yeah. Because sometimes like people will tell me things, and I'm like, what? 
No, it's it's so funny how, you know, I took this for granted. One of my good friends, shout out to Lauren Copping. If you listen to the podcast, I'm like, I miss you always. Lauren Copping is from Canada. And Lauren Copping had to take Texas history because she went to a um, institution. She went to Texas A&M like I did. And I think it was just like she needed a history course. And Mm -hmm. I think one of the history courses had to be Texas history. And I think the first day of class, they did a pop quiz. Oh, wow. Of like... Just basic stuff, basic knowledge of Texas history. Yeah. Assuming Everyone that knew. everybody <laughs> in this class was either A, from Texas, or B, had enough Texas history knowledge. And poor Lauren is not only, she's not even from the States. Yeah. She's from Vancouver. <laughs> she don't know. She was literally shook. Like, something as simple as referring to Indians as Indians versus First Nations, because in Canada they're called First Nations. And she was like, are we talking about people from India? Like, <laughs> But it's that it's those little, little things yeah. that you, and I, I, I'm i only referencing that because of like what you're talking about. It's yeah. these little things yeah. that, you know, we take for granted. That because we, we notice. <laughs> yeah, that we are, we, we are from here. You know, yeah. I didn't leave Texas for the first time until I was 20. Yeah. Or 21 or 19, something like that. But it, I I went my whole life basically before I really left. Yeah. And how much you you don't know. And then um, I, I, I want to further that point so that when we think about what's going on with like legislation in the States, mm-hmm. how much of your perspective is just your perspective. Yep. And then so when you offer... Um, Solution to certain problems, you're only speaking for you and you're not speaking for, for somebody that literally is like, so Indians are from people, are people yeah, exactly, from India. Exactly. No, I, there, there's so many things that I notice here that my friends don't. Right. All the time. And I'm like, I'll say something, they're like, I have never thought of that. I'm like, great. That's the way I'm here. Um, and the whole like thing about tests, like when I, when I do my um, citizenship test. Mm-hmm. I have to answer a basic. Um, you already took it, right? No. Oh, yes, to. because you're still a permanent resident, right? Yeah, right, I right. have to study and and get all these things. But um, I remember giving, just I just wanted to see. I gave four of my friends the practice test, yes. and they failed it. Yes, I heard about this, and I was like, wait, "When you're an American, what?" It was it wasn't even like because it wasn't like saying, "Oh, you're a bad American," but I was like. Wait, if they don't know, but that's the point. Shouldn't we all know, right? Sort of thing, and then and then I one time got yelled at because they're like, "Well, if you don't want to, do it, then leave the country." And I was like, "I'm not saying I don't want to be here. I'm just saying why why isn't everyone held to the same right, standard? right? Because then it to me it becomes this like this this really I think terrible narrative of like it just so happened that you were born in this country." Mm. And these are the privileges that you get, mm. and you're not aware of them. Mm. And that's not. And when you have somebody like you that will literally get kicked out of the country if you don't pass this test, yeah. whereas everybody in this country cannot pass this test, <laughs> there's there's some there's something wrong. Yeah, just a little bit, just a little bit. But either way, I'm going to do the test because I think you should totally do the test. And if I can help you in any way, I was really really great in history. Actually, I just. Think history is really fun. I love history, and thankfully, so when the process of learning, and I'm doing it now, um, I'm learning a lot. I'm I'm very much like interested in like what happened in the past. Yeah, we could totally do some flashcards. And I'm some um, Quizlet. Do you remember Quizlet from college? <laughs> I also used it in high school. <laughs> so I'm down for the cause. I'm down for the cause. Um, Wow, there was so much to be said. Is there any, I was thinking about this earlier. Are there any like myths about immigration or like what does it mean to be an immigrant that you want to dispel? It's totally cool if you don't. I'm trying to think. Myths? Like what? I don't know if I know any. I don't know. To be honest, I probably know a shit ton of immigrants, but I don't even know they're immigrants. <laughs> that's, that's, so that's another thing. A lot of us, quote unquote us, don't say that. Oh. We don't let anyone know. Why not? It's the conversation is easier. If if I'm coming into a room with people and I just look and sound like a normal American, the day goes by easily. Hmm. If I say I'm an immigrant, where are you from? Are you legal? Like all these questions. It's now especially is are you legal? Like calm down. Like I'm I'm legal, relax. 
Um, but it's also just like dealing with that every day is exhausting. Mm-hmm. If I can just go by without like you don't want it to become like this main identifier exactly. of your identity. I it, get and that. and it is an identifier, but like I'm not I'm tired today. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I don't want to have to talk and explain like my entire life to everyone every minute. Like, right. You know. I just want to offer that my girlfriend Emily will say things, and we'll be in like a large company, and I'll be like, "Y'all know she Canadian." <laughs> She ain't from here. <laughs> no, honestly, like I, there are things when I'm with my friends, they'll say things or reference. Like, I'm I'm really bad at social media and pop culture. I I haven't right I'm, right I'm right. Not, it's like stuff a, like that, and I'll be like, "Babe, you know this song?" And she'd be like, "No." No. And it's so she's a really little interesting booger because she'll know what I'm really. I feel like I'm really really good at like. 90s R&B. Mm-hmm. So she'll know, or like we'll even take it to like even to the 2000s. She'll know an NDRE song, but she won't know a Tyree song. <laughs> and I'd be like, what? what? Or like she'll know a Casey and JoJo song, but she won't know something that came around like right around the same time. And I'm like, were you playing the radio selectively? <laughs> or did Canada like pick just a few songs that y'all was supposed to get? Like how did you selectively receive this very basic culture? Well, what I thought was basic, which mm. I know I have to be aware of my privilege or my person, like my perspective. But that's why I say like, yeah, that's why I say stuff like, mm, she from Canada. She's from Canada. <laughs> she don't know. Yeah, I'm, it's it's funny because they'll be like, what rock were you under? A rock in Belize. Too shy. That one, because I don't know what this is. And I I do want to, um, I'd love to hear your perspective on this, but there was recently a conversation where, um, I don't even actually know how it came up, but Emily was like, you know, hey, babe, are there any states in the U.S. that you just refuse to go to? And I was like, yeah. Um, and I just... Named a few. Named we're, a few. We're not going to have to... Yeah. yeah um, and just like a quick preface for me i have an africana studies minor and one of the classes that i had to take outlined the states that had the most lynchings mm. in like the states that had the highest number of lynchings because those states are in the sec which is the football conference that a&m is in mm. and that was just like an interesting correlation but it also um I know those schools, so it also just kind of gave me an awareness of, like, maybe some of the traditions that they have and maybe kind of the history that they're coming from. Mm-hmm. And then, therefore, that's probably why I won't go there. Emily was, like, really taken aback because looking at Canada, Emily was born in the in Ottawa, and she ends up moving to Vancouver when she's about eight. She There is no Providence that she will not move to mm-hmm. because the history of the Providence is the, is so violent or so um, unattainable in her mind that she just won't live there. Mm-hmm. But that was my experience. That is my experience as um, a Native Texan, but also an American. How do you access that conversation? I'm still because obviously I know about slavery, and you know, and Belize was also unsafe too. Yeah, it it, it was, um, but. My relationship to slavery is, how can I say this without sounding stupid, different? No, it is, because you're not from here. And and so I'm still navigating um, the way that my friends here see slavery and, like, mm-hmm. learning about, like, what happened. And so even, like, hearing you say that is, like, I never thought of it that way. Right. I never thought of it. Like, yeah, I, I'm still navigating that conversation now. Because I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to offend anyone. Right. Um, because I don't know a lot about slavery in the U.S. I right. don't know about slavery back home. Right. And the idea that, like, I have to think. I don't have to, but I, the possibility to think of, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't go here. Right. I mean, because one of the first um, experiences that I had with, oh, I'm different besides college was I went to go visit my friend slash first dance teacher slash like mother of my child because I helped raise the kid Mm -hmm. and I love him still and he's like almost taller than I am now it's really scary mixed which tells me I need to start growing which won't happen um I went to West Virginia 
right like deep in West Virginia mm-hmm. um and still at this time I wasn't thinking about race like that I was right. just visiting my friends right um and then I got there and I was like oh I'm kind of the only person of color here right still thinking like I'm I'm also still and by used person to of that. color you mean brown or you mean black brown, or you black, okay yeah and and but for me that wasn't a, that wasn't a problem because I'm from a country where like Oftentimes, I'm the only black person in the in the group because all these kids are from all over the places. Right. Um, and I remember we went to the mall, mm-hmm. and it was I won't call names because I don't want to get anyone in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, it was her, the kid, and me, mm-hmm. and then her sister and her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. We're all just walking down. Um, and this person and I are just we were we've always been really close mm-hmm. and and i'm gay and she's straight and so like the idea of like her resting her head on me or holding my hand while we walk on the street she's like my sister like i'm not thinking right. like this is my girl but like, she's like my sister so we're skipping down the street holding hands all Whereas the time other people looking on yeah. might think differently otherwise and so me and her are walking along minding own business talking cool her sister walks up behind me and her and goes let go of her hand and i was like what let go of her hand and i was like why she goes look behind you let go of her hand and there were a bunch of guys who had like congregated and was watching us and i was like oh shit and that was my first experience of going oh right. whoa i'm not safe like this is a problem right. like and that was i remember that changed the entire trip for me like i didn't want to leave the house because i got so scared i was like i thought this was only in movies well that and like you moved here for safety yeah, well, this was before the move. This was like I was visiting. Um, remember the one intensive I did? Yeah. I went to the intensive and then visited them right. in their home um, area. So I wasn't right, planning to move here yet. I was gonna say yeah, but this is but that is that even that even worsens this idea of a narrative that you've been placed into mm-hmm. that is not your. Yeah, maybe it is yours, but you didn't self-select that narrative. Yeah. You've been looked at and um, grouped in, <laughs> grouped into this narrative. Um, yeah, yeah I, that was one of the most eye-opening experiences of my life. I was like, "Oh, this is the thing." I, like, it's twenty—I don't know what year it was. But I was like, "This is still happening," and then like moving back years later, thinking, "Oh, I was so naive because I thought it was like not a problem, and it still is obviously right, right. such a problem." And how we, um, like, what is the danger of looping and grouping um, folks that aren't from here into this narrative that that is not their experience? Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, and I, and I even offer the question, like, what is the downfall of being looped in into a narrative that you didn't self-select? Yeah. I, because I don't want to bring up politics, because I know this isn't a political podcast, um, but that night was the scariest night of my life. Right. When he won. Right. I remember, like, I used to always do, like, Taco Tuesdays with my friends in college. And it was a Tuesday, so we were having tacos. And we're not paying attention because we're thinking this is a joke, whatever. Um, But also, like, not a joke. Because I'm like, (laughs) this is kind of scary. Right. And I remember going home. Like, we stopped mid-Taco Tuesday. Right. And I was like, I'm going home. I can't do this. I need to go to sleep. If I get up in the morning, it'll be a joke. It's a dream. No. And just, I think for, like, a week straight, just constant fear. Right. I'm Like, the day after, my department shut down. We went to classes, but nothing happened because even the professors are just like, we're just going to take a minute and process um i know and and she goes i know a lot of you are really scared and looks right at me and that just that was like a trigger Mm -hmm. i just started crying Mm -hmm. because i'm i'm black Mm -hmm. i'm an immigrant Mm -hmm. and i'm gay Mm -hmm. that's three check marks on that long list of check marks to do like it's a lot Mm -hmm. so i was like am i safe right and then i was like am i because a lot of things are happening and even now i'm seeing a lot of things it's like people are having like the permission to do things now and mm-hmm. i'm like so am i actually safe here yeah. yeah and then and then for me it's like i'm not american 
I'm not an American, so if I defend myself, is it different for me mm-hmm. in a court where it's like, you know, you're safe because you're a citizen and, you know, but I'm not. Right. You're sa- Like, what does it mean? Your safety looks completely different because yeah, you're not, because you don't. Not, I don't have any rights This here. isn't your home. Yeah, exactly. I don't have which any is, rights. Yeah, which is also loaded. So there's all, all this. It's it's navigating daily here is right. sometimes a little tired. Yeah. I just stay at home. <laughs> yeah. Avoid. And I do. Um, a lot of people have asked me. You know, because I've I've traveled to Canada a few times with Emily. Like, you know, Katie, what does it mean to live in America right now? And I just want to offer, being from Texas, living in New York City, is an experience on its own. Because my notion of home is being from Texas is a completely different narrative than being from New York City. Mm -hmm. And so to clarify that, in some ways, is quite similar to what I feel like I'm having to clarify with, um, you know, Trump running the country. I will say, though, I started my podcast when President Trump was in. Mm. And I, um, you know, and I met Emily, who is an immigrant, and I had to support her through, and I didn't even have to. I wanted to support her through her O-1 status. So I just want to say that I'm super grateful that as soon as maybe I felt unsafe, I was pushed to New York City. (laughs) Where I, where not only I had support to maybe have the conversations, but also have like people like you and Emily who are just willing to to educate me, um, because it's just not it's just not a narrative that I know. Yeah, and I hope that above all, um, we can walk away feeling that we can we can define what our safety looks like. Yep, because sure. um, that's super important. So. We only got a few more minutes left. Where can the people find you, Bo? If you want to find me. You um, can catch me. <laughs> you can catch me. Uh, my Instagram is at Bozy, B-E-A-U-Z-E-Y. Ask me any questions that's not private. Um, what else should I give them? Uh, this, this duet, will it be showing anytime soon? <sighs> Sorry, the idea of making work sometimes scares me. Do you um, think? The duet... Um, we're still working on what we're going to do with that because he lives in Florida. Right. And I live here. Yeah. So we're also using that as a part of the duet, what okay. it means to choreograph. Across state lines. Across state lines. Um, so that I'll have to get back to you with. Yeah. Um, but I'm hoping to show it soon or, show some, or show, at least show my part of the work sometime in New York. There's a lot of things happening in the summer. Okay. I have a lot going on, apparently. Okay. I'm a, I'm a little What's excited. going on besides this duet? Um, right now I'm working and collaborating with the Nash Conspiracy. Okay. My friend Rosie D'Angelo. Big up Rosie. Um, and a, uh, I think it's quartet. A quintet? I don't remember. Quartet is four, quintet is five. I don't remember how many. I, okay. It's one of those like you come when you can <laughs> rehearsals. So yeah. You never really know. Um, what else am I doing for the summer? I'm working. I'm going to be in the Queensboro Dance Festival. Hey now. See me there. I'm working with uh, Jackie Dugall, um, and also I've been. I just did my first commercial gig. Big up hey to now. Brett and Tyler Brian. I was working with her um, and Burton Folly. So I'm hoping to get into that world with the cabaret, burlesque, all okay, that nice okay, stuff. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, there's a lot going on this summer. I'm I'm trying my best to not be in the house this summer. Okay. And not let limiting factors like run my life for the summer. Feel that and support that. Even if it's just like going to the park and sitting in the grass, reading my book, because I got a really cool book to read now. Yes, if you don't know, guys, <sighs> I gift all my guest books, and I brought Bo his uh, book today. If you want to know what it is, Bo, you just have to post it, because I, <laughs> I don't post the books. I don't, yeah. I have bought a lot of books, but I don't post any of them. Guys, just, we should, let me know if you want people to actually post the books, and like, yeah, what's been, what's it, been, what's, what's circulating. I have to finish a book first. I'm reading like four books right now. It's a problem. It's not just you. It's a problem. I need to finish the one I'm doing and then read this one. The problem is with this one, this is like a, um, a series. Yes, it is. So you start one and then you have to do the next five. Yes. It's going to be fun. But yeah, so reach me at Instagram. Hit me up. Okay. Um, yeah. Guys, 
As always, I want you to make it live. I want you to make it breathe, you know, and I actually hope that you can make it progress in whatever way that you think is best. But above all, I just want you to make it. Big shout out to Mike Brun and Kuhu Verma for that awesome opening soundtrack. And once again, um, huge condolences for, uh, I think it's the high school of Alabama, Alabama High School, um, Nigel Shelby, his family, his friends, his larger community. Um, that's such a great loss. I hope that this conversation can create some kind of support and if nothing else, just some knowledge as a way that we can all stand stronger as a community. But as always, once again, make it live, make it breathe, just make it. Bye, guys. Struggling.